welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. It is episode number 74. It is Sunday, February 25th. About the fourth straight gloomy day on the East Coast. I am back with my co-host, the Antaku. What's going on, man? So... That, uh, for the, I was actually paying attention to the commercials last night, and I noticed during, uh, the Sage DJ commercials that they always do with the, the crappy one about, like, what, what was it, how to measure force or whatever? Yeah. Why are they wearing socks? <laughs> like, it, it's just so awkward, because they're, 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 like, fighter shorts, and, like, they're gloves, and, like, they're shirtless, but they're wearing socks. <laughs> I don't know. What were they Reebok socks? They had to they had to promote the full fight. Uh, they they were just straight up black, so I, I don't know. Oh man, I never noticed that. But then most of the t- well, you know what? I can't reveal how I'll be watching fights. I was just say I don't see commercials. <laughs> but, oh man, but uh, yeah, this is, weekend's been kind of kind of. But, yeah, we sure. Uh, I know. I know the card was like yesterday or you know Saturday, whatever. But if we had recorded Friday, I feel like this would have been a great show because I was in some type of mood. And I, yeah, I was, I was hoping this card would have ended a little bit earlier. Well, actually, you know what? I can't really complain. The whole card was over by ten thirty, which is yeah. amazing. Um, I guess I had this vision in my head that the main card started at eight. And then, like every fight would be a knockout, and it'd be over by like nine thirty. But well, you know they're gonna space it out. They gotta get that overrun. Yeah, yeah. Didn't quite go like that, but I mean, all all the fights were awesome, so I'm not complaining in, in, in the least bit. Um, it, it's always weird because it it, it, it it like messes with my brain when I see like fights before like ten o'clock, because that's when I'm like, okay, you gotta start focusing. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's always weird, like, when the car goes off and it's 10.30, and I'm like, do I go to sleep? Or do I, like, I still, can I still stay up? Like, I'm not used to this. This is uncharted territory. This doesn't happen often. We don't we don't get this kind of treatment. We, got, we have to cherish these moments. Um, cause I'm pretty sure the card next week will be up till, like, 12-something. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's not a Fox card. Yeah, that's so. a pay-per-view, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll be up well past midnight. <laughs> but anywho, yeah, not not the best of weekends, but these fights, you know, these fights kind of got the weekend back on track. It's a pretty awesome card. Um, but as always, uh, before we get into the fights, well, actually, you know, real quick, before we can get into the news, just quick plugs. Um, as always, you can listen to the podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. You are iTunes. Please rate, subscribe, leave a review. Also, you can listen to us on Google Play. Uh, send emails to dojotalkpodcast at yahoo.com. And if you want to hit us up on Facebook, you can just go to your search bar, type in Dojo Talk Podcast, and you will find us there. 
so on to uh, news and nuggets and things that have been you know going on during the week um, let me scroll through my notes here all right so I guess we'll start with uh, two of the biggest fight announcements so we got Marlon Marais and Jimmy Rivera going down and fighting at Utica um, that's an awesome fight <laughs> so that's that's a really really just really awesome fight um, my fanhood makes me root for Marias, but that's that's just an awesome fight. Uh, just seeing that fight will be going. That fight will probably be the main event. I actually think it is the main event. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah. I I can't think of another fight that would overtake that as a main event. That's not like a title fight, but that's that that fight's going down. Um, another big one: Kelvin Gastelum and Jacare going down in UFC 224 in May. Um, who got next? Uh, Gastelum, sure. See, I'm I'm fifty fifty on this one, but I feel like I saw some people like kind of writing Gastelum off, and I don't get it. Get... I feel like Gastelum can hang with. I mean, I I get it, like his size against some people. Like, like you saw in the Wyman fight, it, that's when the size Connolly definitely counts against him. But like with all of his other skill sets, he can pretty much hang with most of the guys I think up there. In my opinion, he could. Um, well, at least have like a puncher's chance. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of split on that one. Um, I guess also once we're talking about uh, Utica, uh, other fights also on that card: uh, Walt Harris and Daniel Spitz, Hector Sandoval, Jared Brooks, uh, Sajar Eubanks, and Lauren Murphy. Uh, do 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 do. Uh, further scrolling down, we have Benil Dariush uh, and Alexander Hernandez. Uh, Dariush was originally supposed to have fought Bobby Green, um, but I think Bobby Green pulled out last week with an undisclosed injury. Uh, so Hernandez will be his replacement. Um, Israel Adesanya, we'll get to see him again really quick. Uh, he is fighting Marvin Vittori. That'll be UFC on Fox 29 in April. Um, I can't remember if we mentioned this last time, or if it was even a thing last time. Edson Barboza and Kevin Lee, uh, UFC Fight Night 128. Is that official for 128? Because the, the article I saw said it was in the works, and it was either going to be on 224, 225, or Atlantic City. Uh, let's do a quick <laughs> Google search. I thought I saw it for for 220. Yeah, 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 sure yeah, yeah 128, main event. Alright, because I, I saw it being pitched around for uh, the 224 card, because that card could probably use more of an undercard, because of the main event, which I don't think we actually mentioned. What is that? Uh, Rocky Pennington and Amanda Nunes for the Bantamweight title. Oh, snap. Yeah, I, de- I definitely don't even have that. <laughs> I, I think we mentioned it last week, because it was like the, that's what was going around, that they were targeting it, but it, I think it came out that's official. Alright. So yep, that'll be going down. Um, I almost would just want to root for Barboza just because of what he went through and the and the Habib fight. <laughs> I almost feel like bad for him what happened. I just kind of want to see him win. I'm again. rooting for Barboza because he doesn't fight with staff. That's a dick move. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> War Barboza. Uh, that's that's a good fight though. That's that's a good fight. Can't go wrong a um, lightweight. Mike Powell, can't. You can never. And in, in like the top 30, 40, you, you can't go wrong. Uh, Mike Powell, Zach Otto, also in UFC 222. Um, Gilbert Burns and Lando Venata. 
uh, don't have what card that's on, but that'll be going down. Um, a, another fight that's <laughs> not official, but a call-out. Um, Mark Diakasi, if I'm saying that right. Everybody knows the guy, the guy with the red mohawk. Um, he, he wants Sage Northcutt. That's a fight he wants. Um, I, I think Mark is on a... I'm pretty sure he's coming off a loss, I think. Yeah, he lost to um, Devin Clark. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I'm not mad at that fight, to be honest. I mean, normally I don't want to see a dude on a losing streak fight a guy on a winning streak. But, I mean, Mark's violent. He's going to stand up. Sage would be probably willing to stand up, at least until he gets rocked. But I I'm not mad at that fight if they decide to do it. Um, <laughs> in the article I read, he, he said he'll have to ask Mr. Faber if he can accept the fight. <laughs> but uh, So that that's the thing. Um, what... Well, all right, but before we get on to the Bellator news and other stuff, do do we care to talk about Connor allegedly throwing his name in the hat to fight Frankie at UFC 222? I mean, I care so much as in 222 and 223 probably get a little bit of a jump in the buy rate because he he mentioned like his name's just going to be all there throughout like media week. But right. be, beyond that, not really. Uh, also, shouts to Leah Letson, uh, Invicta, featherweight, bantamweight, who's got signed by the UFC. She doesn't know when she's fighting or who her first opponent will be. I think it was supposed to be Yana Kuniskaya, but she's fighting for the title next week because uh, Max Holloway got hurt. So, yep. shouts to her. Sign more women. All right. <laughs> like, it, it's not hard. There, there are plenty. I spent a whole weekend finding like 50 that they could sign and it would it would ban eyelash so they need the bodies like especially featherweight jesus christ featherweight has two fighters <laughs> there's not even enough people to make a tournament like <laughs> this is what happens when you let bellator sign the entire top 10 that featherweight i guess they figure they wouldn't how crazy would it be if Cyborg ends up over there? I mean, it's not going to happen because she would make smaller paydays, but it'd be hilarious. I'm all for chaos, so if it does happen. I mean, the only, <laughs> the, the only way I see it happening is if they offer her, like, if they go to the pay-per-view and, like, Cyborg proves that she's a consistently, can consistently draw, like, 350 and they just offer her more. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. I I like the hope somebody in the UFC brass is trying to work something out with that division. No, but they, as soon as Cyborg decides that she doesn't want to fight anymore, they will stop caring. Right. <laughs> and poor poor Megan Anderson, man. I'm still just I want to see her fight. I feel like she's gonna end up like lost in the in the mist somewhere in that division, and we just like we just won't end up seeing her. But I don't know. I don't know. One one forty five is is. A wasteland of two fighters, three, whatever. I don't know. I mean, enough to count. Technically one speaking, hand. I think Julia Bud beat Megan Anderson, so she's the number two featherweight in the plan. <laughs> I mean, this is when Megan Anderson was fighting out of Australia and was basically in like a no-name camp, and now she's, I, I guess she's still in a no-name camp, but she's like in an American no-name camp, which I think just on average is going to tend to be better. Yeah, I, I hope we see her soon. Hope we see her soon. She did pop up on Twitter. 
she was going against Kobe Colton, yeah. but but shout out to shout out to Megan Anderson. Um then it's about all the UFC news, um and other promotions. Uh shout outs to Ang Song, who is now a two belt holder over in one championship. Uh he head kicked uh Alexandre Machado. Uh, I think it was head kick followed up by punches, so he now holds the light heavyweight and middleweight title over there. So shout outs to him. If you're not holding two belts, you're not doing enough work. <laughs> shout shout outs to him and then Shorty Torres and everybody else who's out here dual wielding belts. Um and I guess quick mention, uh Nikki Holskin and is it Callum Smith? From San Francisco. Uh, Callum, yeah. Uh Calum Smith. Uh I got a chance to this fight was on and uh I was on like the same time during the prelims one last night. So I was kind of watching this while I was watching UFC at the same time, and um, like Nikki didn't look bad. Like, I mean, he he clearly lost the fight, but it wasn't like he got like demolished or you know. He he made it a competitive fight, and like he had good moments. He was landing some good power shots. I just think his volume wasn't really there. Um, didn't have enough head movement. Like he would have rounds where he would use head movement. He would bob and weave. He would get in, he would land some good shots, but then he would have another round where he just kind of would just, like, get jabbed and just touched up, and he didn't, like, have much offense, much of an offensive rebuttal. Um, but, like, it, it, was, it was a solid showing, though. Like, I'm not sure what he was doing when he got the call for this fight, if, like, he was even training, but... I mean, Holskin probably has another boxing match scheduled or something. Or he was, like, working on it. Well, it probably was definitely yeah. not this weekend. Right. So, con- considering the circumstances, like, I-, I thought he had a pretty solid showing. Um, you know, I- I- I'm not mad at it, but he-, he ended up dropping a decision loss, but uh, I-, I don't, I feel like this fight, like, didn't, like, hurt his stock, so to speak. Like, he, he put on a-, a-, a pretty good showing, I thought. But, uh, so, shout-outs to him. And that's, uh, oh, um, I, I guess in-, in Bellator news, bad Bellator news. I mean, <laughs> I guess it depends on how you look at it. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you handle the cuts because I don't have that listed. So, uh, uh, Bellator let go, cut, or didn't re-sign uh, 14 different fighters across various divisions. Um, some of which they desperately need talent in, so it's kind of crazy that they let them go. But uh, former Bellator bantamweight champion Marcus Galvao, L.C. Davis, Steve Garcia, Steve Cazola. Kendall Grove, Georgie Caracanian, Fernando Gonzalez, Kevin Casey, Francisco France, um, Mike Rhodes, Francis Carmont, Philip uh, Felipe Linz, Benton Wright, uh, Reiter, Reiter, and Alexis Dufresne were all let go. So, they let. That's crazy. No more Galvo. How how they let go of three different bantamweights though? Like they, that division has nine bantamweights in it. <laughs> what was Galvo on like that bad of a losing streak? Um, I think his contract just expired and they didn't sign him back. I got, I'm not sure if they. That's. That's wild. I mean, I mean, he's probably yeah, expensive. When I when I saw that list, more he... expensive than signing somebody new. But he yeah he was one in three uh in his last four. Oh, okay. But I'm pretty sure no no they were at bantamweight. All right. Uh, no, wait. He was a featherweight for his last fight. He lost Sam Celia. 
Yeah, cause when I when I saw that list, his his name stuck out. Um, I guess <laughs> Cazola kind of stuck out because we just saw him fight, and I felt like he was. I don't say he's supposed to be like the next guy. They, up, but... they were positioning him to go on a run, and he just kind of came up short in his last two fights. So yeah, and Gonzalez was surprising too, though. Um, he, Cause, yeah, but like at this point, you've gotten all you can out of him. And he just won't make weight ever. So like, what's the point, you know? Yeah. Like Brennan Ward still sells tickets. Fernando Gonzalez is supposed to be there to test prospects. Uh, I don't know how many prospects Bellator really has that are in that range to fight him. Um, I'm hoping with all these cuts that <laughs> maybe they got a, a next crop of guys they think will I, I really, plug into I, these spots. I would hope. I really hope because like. Like, with the sign of, like, Alex Hernandez um, that you mentioned earlier, who's going to be fighting Benil Darius, like, there are no more prospects left on the American scene. Like, you are a dude with a kind of good record who kind of has an understanding of what he's doing, and you're going to be in the UFC if you if you, if you you sit by the phone close enough, you know? All right. And um, that you will get signed before you are ready. You will, be, you will get pushed before you are ready. And if you are not just like a phenomenal talent, like a Chris Weidman, like early in his career, or a TJ Dillashaw early in his career, you will burn out hella quickly. And we're kind of seeing that on this card. Uh, we saw this on the Fox card um, with Mike Perry. Uh, I was, oh, that'd be a whole nother episode. I was thinking a lot of like, what is Bellator's recruitment? strategy um they sign wrestlers out of college because they offer them probably more money than um they can make fighting on the regional scene uh like they sound like i don't know how they got steve cazola like let me check because i've been noticing like i watch you know i feel like this year i've been watching a lot more like regional cards local cards but and, like, a lot of the guys who are getting signed from these other, like, smaller promotions, none of them are ending up in Bellator. Yeah, no, like, not at all. Like, none. <sighs> like, Cazola is, like, a, literally just a dude from Illinois. Like, uh, he had his first three fights in California, but, like, uh, from what I understand, uh, like, this is a dude who was fighting in Gladiator Challenge, Explode Fight Series, and, like, American Fight uh, Predator Fighting Championship, like. He was so far from being in the UFC that, like, I guess Bellator was just like, "Yeah, you want you, you?" He fought on one of their undercards and was like, "Do you want to stick around?" I think that's their plan. Like, they just have like these got these local dudes fight on the prelims to sell tickets, and if they win in impressive enough fashion, uh, fashion, they ask them if they want to stick around. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> They need they need to they need to switch it up or something, man. Like they, what's killing them is the UFC literally signs everybody. Like this, this was the thing. Like the, for a couple of years, Bellator was signing uh, like a whole bunch of like really op region like regional prospects. Like they got Darian Caldwell. They got um, fucking all those light heavyweights, uh, and all those Russian dudes, and like they got that. Uh, who was? I was gonna say, where where are the Russian imports? They man? they, they like, fired them all at when Rev uh, when Rebney got fired because he was a, he was the connect for that. 
like now with Fedor, we're seeing like Vadim Nemkov make it over here and stuff like that, and some of his pro like some of his proteges, but like a lot of the dudes who got signed uh, for from Russia from Russia during the Rebney era were through like Alice uh, Alexander Shevchenko, or not Shevchenko, Shlomenko, um, like fucking um, was Vasil Vasilevsky one of his dudes, and like. Korishkov, like these are the like. Sha I don't know how they got Sha Shabulaya, um, but like all those dudes, got, just kind of got the boot because they weren't ticket sellers. I don't know. It makes me. I want to root for Bellator, but I I, I worry. <laughs> I worry about them sometimes. Like now, that I guess they're focused on like, sell like. Like they are a ticket selling company. They are not a TV ratings company. That's why they leave the country six times out of the year, and we have or we're forced to get like a tape delay because they get like a million dollars a show at the live gate. Like, I, I don't. Um, they, they really should just be focusing on just being like I don't want to say like the alternative to UFC, but like doing something different. Yeah, I'm saying that's why. Like when I watch them, I don't know like. I don't see like a focus of like what the company is or like what they're like. I don't. I don't see like there's no path. There's no vision. Like I feel like it's just there. Like I. I don't know what they're building that, towards or. Yeah, what that's it's... just that's what this year feels like. Like the U with the U.S. it's gotten kind of better, but like th there's so much um, bullshit on the back end that it just kind of feels like everything is meaningless. All right. At least, like, like I don't know, be 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 like Ryzen, man. Like, when I watch Ryzen, it's it's just fun. Like, it's it's just fun. Like, if you're not gonna have a, a clear cut, you know, there's no real vision. Just just be a fun company, man. Just just put on awesome fights and just let that be. Yeah. Fun. You know, but yeah, I don't like, I don't know. They they, like, they worry me. The one fight like that just springs to mind. Like, why hasn't Patricio Pitbull fought Michael Chandler? That's right. a fight that had heat. It had, like, oh, he fought his brother. He had that angle going to it for it. Like, that's a fight they could have made that just would have been fun. It would have been interesting. If, you, if you've if you been following Bellator at all for the past, like, four or five, six years, these are two dudes you know, and that's something you could build off of. Or build right. towards, I should say. And, I mean, depending on how that fight would go, you, you might could squeeze a trilogy out of that yeah. one. Depending on how competitive the fight is, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it would. Like I'm, I wouldn't doubt that Pitbull can hang with some of those fifty-fivers. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's that's another episode for another day. But but Bellator scares me like, sometimes. I don't I don't want them. I'm not to... even scared. I'm just confused. Like what 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 is your goal? <laughs> like do you want to have do you want to have the best fighters in the world? Do you want to have like the most entertaining fighters in the world? Because apparently they're talking to John Fitch like. But they but they let go of Ben Askren like what? You, you... Ah, you know what? That's uh, I meant to write that down too, but I don't want to spend forever talking about. I I wanted to mention Ben Askren on here because I've been seeing his name. Uh, he, I've been seeing his name pop up a little bit. He, lately. He, uh, yeah, yeah. Say he would beat both the Diaz's in one night, and that GSP <laughs> would come back for him, even though like his, that tweet only got like a hundred retweets and. Yeah, I 
I kind of want to see him fight now. Like, mm. I was never, I wasn't like a Ben Askren fan, but I wanted to see him in the UFC just because, like, he was clearly, like, the best welterweight outside of the yeah. UFC. And, like, <clears throat> Douglas Lima was my guy, and he embarrassed Douglas Lima. Like, I, so. <laughs> I really love the, um, what you call it, like, I, I, I love the idea of, like, Askren Maya. Or even GSP um, Askren back when that was like a feasible thing, like right. when GSP was just like out of contenders, um, you know, just bringing this dude who was the Bellator welterweight champion, who was an Olympic wrestler, and, and be like, go crazy. But um, right. like now, like I was never a fan of his mouth, um, because he says some stupid ass shit. But uh, like now, I I don't know what the um. But it just feels like it's past it, you know. Yeah, like we the the ship on him might have might have. Like, I don't even I don't even know how old he is. Like thirty three, thirty four. He's yeah, he's he's early thirties, I think. I I want to say early thirties. He he might be mid though. He might be around like thirty four, thirty five. I'm not sure, but. Because, yeah, I mean, you, you keep him in one, there's, nobody's going to beat him over there. Like <laughs> He's he's not taking any losses o- over and over in one. So, it's like, out, outside of the UFC, I don't know what else you even do to him. I don't know any other welterweights out there that are probably... Like, I w- if you wanted to go back to Bellator, I'd be like, that'd be fun. Like, Ben Askren versus, like, Rory McDonald, I'm down with that, but... Yeah. Like, a battle of the serial killer versus, like, the smartass... <laughs> but I don't think they they don't want that. They want John Fitch so that he can go fight Paul Daly and beat them up before they let Daly go. Which is uh, that's in oh yeah. I'm a strike for it. Yeah. <laughs> you see, that's the mo- like that was the model that they were aspiring to, but they didn't hit it like at all, man. Like. I feel like it's not even close. They can't get the younger guys. They can't get the next Luke Rockholes and Jacare's and there's no heavyweight division really to draw from. Like this heavyweight tournament is just like the heavyweight Grand Prix Strike Force through, except Strike Force like but UFC didn't have the monop- uh, monopoly on the heavyweight division like it did back in um uh, uh well the UFC didn't have that uh, monopoly like it does now like. A lot of those, like, heavyweights who emerged out of either nowhere or came from Pride or, like, they they were still fighting in Strikeforce. You had your Overeems, your Verdooms, your, uh, your, your Fedor before he lost and, I guess, a little bit after he lost. Bigfoot came from, like, I guess the Brazilian freak show circuit. Barnett couldn't get a fight in the U.S. <laughs> Sergey Karatinov, like, these guys were still, they still had some, yeah, Cormier. like, where the fuck did they get Daniel Cormier from? He was in the, Man. like, I, I get, I guess from that AKA, uh, that time in space where AKA got fired, and Strikeforce just, like, scooped in and was like, hey, you want to fight for a big promotion, come fight for us, but, like, think of all the dudes they found through their scouting, like, system, I, I don't know who was the scout who signed all those people, but, like, I'm saying that was just. That was just heavyweight, man. Then you oh. had like you had Rockhold, Jacare, OSP. Yeah, OSP. You have Romero. Um, 
King Mo Feijao. You had like they, Jordan Mean before his kind of before like before he fell apart. Um, <laughs> yeah, before he kind of Tyrone fell apart. Woodley. Uh, Woodley. Zaffedine. You had um Safadine. Yeah. Oh man, you guys. Oh god, if you guys weren't around Nick for the Strike Force era, man, y- <laughs> y'all missed out on some. That was an epic promotion. That was it was such a good promotion, man. Yeah, they were so good. I'm, I'm really. Like, the la- uh, obviously the landscape's changed. The UFC's just flooded the market to the point where like it's just hard to maneuver. I guess. Um, like, what do you do when you're like the the UFC was running like twenty twenty five shows a year back then. Now they're running like forty. Like, like how do you, how do you cope? Like, how do you, how do you? And they they're constantly signing talent. Like they said, like I, I keep harping on this dude, and I don't know enough about him to like. To, like, I'm not trying to say anything about his skill set, but, like, Alex Hernandez, like, they have 100 lightweights on roster. You're telling me they couldn't find one that would fight a ranked opponent? Like, they made all the calls, and they were like, yo, the 99 other people on this roster don't want to fight Benil Darius. You, you feel me? Like, they didn't have to go outside right. the company to do that, but they, I guess they really... They, either wanted Alex Hernandez in the show or, like, they had an agent in the air who was like, yo, this kid's really good. Put him in there against Darius. He'll show you some stuff. And I don't think it's created a healthy work environment because it, it just makes everybody expendable. Like, we'll get to Mike Perry, but, like, another dude, Lando Venata, like, Venata goes from fighting regional guys to fighting the number two guy in the division and then he gets John McDessie, and then he gets freaking David Tamor. Oh, is it David or um the other Tamor? That was the other one. I can't remember. Yeah, well, he gets Tamor. Tamor, and then, then and then he gets freaking Bobby Green. Are you kidding me? Like, right? The fuck, like that's a slaughterhouse of a lineup. And yeah, I get it. it's lightweight. Everybody's gonna be tough, but like, freaking um, what's his name? Uh, the dude from New York, uh, Gregor Gillespie. It's fighting like Jason Rinaldi. Oh, no. Like it, the 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 makeup of the UFC is, is at the moment not the healthiest thing. It, it doesn't help, but they do a really poor job of like putting their talent where they need to be. But. A, 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 a conversation for another day. Like it sucks for Bellator, but this is this is what you're bought into, man. Yep. <clears throat> Life in 2018. <laughs> but, I'm, I'm, I'm actually yeah. curious, um, because Bellator's doing shows in like Israel. Like I want to like he's going to South Korea. Like. Uh, we're going to see Bellator become more and more international, and I think they're going to be partnering with people more and more. So that'll be interesting, I guess. That's the future of Bellator. It's not signing guys who maybe wouldn't have gotten a look otherwise or were really early in their career because, honestly, I don't think the UFC cares about that anymore. Well, we'll see. MMA is always changing and throwing crazy stuff at us, so we'll We'll see if Bellator figures it out. But on to the fight from last night. Uh, UFC on Fox 28 went down in Orlando. 
Um, all praises due to cars that only have four fight main events. Car was over like literally at like ten thirty, and it was awesome. Uh, no, actually, the car was over at, like ten fifteen. Good was thing awesome. too, because I was like ready to fall asleep. <laughs> but um, yeah, man, this this car was awesome. I I thoroughly enjoyed this car like pretty much from start to finish. Um, but we will start from the top. Jeremy Stevens, Josh Emmett. Um, Jeremy Stevens, front runner for uh, Fire of the Year so far. Yeah, man, he's been he's been getting like, it in, man. We're literally <laughs> in the second month of the year, and he's had two big uh, knockouts on what's going to be the biggest FS1 car of the year, it was, and uh, Fox. So, shouts, yeah, like, hard work. <laughs> and they've been like good performances, and yeah, this this fight, man. Emmett Emmett came in, you know, obviously on a ride and a high from. Uh, Flatline and Ricardo Lamas, so he, he's probably was you know feeling on top of the world, but um, yeah, man, I I I I wasn't I, I was talking to a friend, and I was like I I wouldn't be surprised if Emmett won, but I was going with Stevens, just kind of I've I've just seen more of Stevens, I've seen the wars he's been through, I know what he can do to people, and I, I feel like if he gets put in a bad spot, he can get himself out of it. And so, should we start with the controversy, or should we talk about the fight and build to it? Uh, no, well, let's start with the fight. I mean, I feel like the fight itself, it wasn't a, a ton, like, going on. I mean, you had Emmett kind of, like, playing the outside, kind of, like, trying to feign his way into shots. Like, um, he, he has that patented alpha male approach to striking, which is faint, faint, faint. Throw as hard and as strong as you possibly can with that overhand. Right. Very Uriah Faber. Yeah. It works for them because they're all fantastic wrestlers who, if that doesn't work, they can fall back on their wrestling. And they're all really explosive. But right. at the same time, why I think Trip that mid up here is that like, he only has one layer to his offense. And Jeremy Stevens is a dude who's built his entire career off of just being able to change it up for, like, whoever he's facing. Like, he's a very adaptable dude. We saw him do it against Dilla Troy, where, like, Troy was tagging him with those leg kicks. And they were really starting to, uh, uh, I'm not going to say hurt, but bother Stevens. And then, like, he comes out in the second round and is able to mitigate that close distance and land that overhand to fucking turn his lights out. All right. And that's kind of like what I noticed in this fight is, like, Emmett, like I said, he he he'll he'll feign in, he'll load up on a shot, but like there's not a ton of like variety in his offense. Meanwhile, like Stevens is throwing combinations, he's throwing kicks, it's just a lot, just a lot more versatile with his attacks. And I mean, Emmett, uh, I want to say he countered him in the first and dropped yeah. him. Uh, um, like no, all the credit in the world to Emmett, he hurt Stevens. Like I I I'm having trouble thinking of like the last time I saw Jeremy Stevens like dropped. Yeah, and like it was, it was a, it was a good, it was a good clean. Like I legitimately thought, <laughs> it was a yeah, good, clean for like a hit. quick second, I legitimately thought he won the fight. Uh, like that was over. Uh, I have it playing over here in the background, but like, it, it's really bizarre. Like you see Stevens, like he's in there measuring, he's in there uh, pressuring, he's in there like trying to draw the like the the counter, and then you got like Emmett, who I don't think he's really building. Like he's 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 trying to re oh yeah it was a counter right as um 
as uh, Stevens was trying to close in on him, he stepped off to the side and hit him with a right hook. Yeah, and then he he got some ground to pound in, but Stevens yeah, ended up. He, he tied uh, up the 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 hand and. Yeah, he got back up and like he got his wits back up about him like, like pretty quick, and I I, I think <laughs> I want to say I feel like Emmett was kind of feeling himself after that KO. He did his little uh, uh not not KO. I mean uh after like hey, the knockdown. He's point to the ground, Max always yeah, style. He did his little yeah, and I was like I don't know man I don't know if you should be uh <laughs> this this isn't the dude to do that against like it, you're the fight isn't right. over yet, and uh yeah. Uh, so I, I guess we can pretty much get on to the controversy. That, that was pretty much like the entirety of the, the what like most of the second round was. Um, so the the finishing KO sequence. Um, I'm trying to watch it now because I forgot what started off. I, I got right here. Uh, jab. <laughs> Inside leg kick. Left hook, right hand, left hook, drops him, elbow, 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 knee, up, knee slash shin, uppercut, <laughs> uppercut, and he's dead. All right, he's spaghetti. Uh, yeah. Um. All right. Here's 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 the thing about it, this. Um, MMA doesn't <laughs> have it, rules. <laughs> so stop complaining. <laughs> oh man yeah like all right so i think the th- this commission is following the new rules i think uh, it's florida who knows i think i think they were um but that, i guess that's neither here florida's nor there barely but... <laughs> a real state i'm just saying <laughs> right <laughs> but so the thing about this scale like in in real time um, I mean, obviously, like, the, the punch that dropped him was obviously, you know, fine. It, it was the strikes that were in question. Uh, a couple of the elbows Landed uh, may have been bad. To the back yeah. <laughs> and then he has this knee slash little shin thing that kind of happens. All right. So, well, in real time, I actually, in real time, I didn't catch the elbows. Like, I, it was just kind of like, chaos. It was just in a moment. And in all um, fairness, like, everybody was talking about the knees. Nobody was talking about the fat. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, no. The, the elbows were an afterthought until like you saw the replay. But the the knee in real time, I thought was bad, and then I saw the replay, and I still think it was bad. Maybe not as bad as people made it out to be, because like he, it, I think there was contact, but it seemed like it was kind of like a graze. But you could make the argument. I think his hands were still on the ground, so graze or no graze, knee or shin, I guess that would still technically make it an illegal so strike. So my my um, um my my critique of this is I hate the three I I hate the three um the the three points of contact and you're down type of deal. Like you're, you're yeah. either down or you're not, and down to me is either your ass is on the ground or both your knees are on the ground. Dude is on one knee. Like he's hunched over a little bit, but like, and I'm not sure what the I don't even know what the rules are anymore, because nobody listens to the rules anymore. <laughs> no one has ever listened to the rules. Like, right. <laughs> it, it, this has probably gone on longer than this, but I re, I vividly remember Vitor Belfort banging on the back of Yashiro Aki, uh, Akiyama's fucking head. Yeah, and they never, they like, never called it. It's not even subtle. He is going 
to the like Statue of Liberty sledgehammer <laughs> all the way down on it on his like on like his neck vertebrae like a like a crazy man and nobody cared. <laughs> I, I think it was uh, Mario Yamasaki who was wrestling that one. And he's just sitting there like, yeah, this this, this is happening. I, I am yep. powerless to stop it. And it's crazy because like, if you watch any Vitor highlight, that fight is on his highlight reel and everybody just casually ignores that. Like all of those blows were illegal. <laughs> and yeah, like I'm, I'm watching the replay now. So... Yeah, like that. I feel like the elbow was probably worse than the knee because the elbow, like that, full blown landed. There was and no grease. I get, like, I get, he landed in the, that. In the argument I seen for it was um, that uh, Emmett was kind of just well, was like moving because the first I want to say like the first two landed clean to the side of his head or to like uh, yeah, ear. it looked more like around like the ear. Yeah, and then like he's like he put his head down so that he could go dig for that um that uh dig for the leg. And right. like in, uh, Stevens was like in the act of throwing, but th- yeah. that 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 is some fuck up your day type shit. Like okay. his, his head was spinning. And I mean, to 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 Stevens' defense, and I, I feel like like if anybody wants to say it's dirty, I'm not gonna argue against you. Same. I I kind of I kind of see both sides. Like in Stevens' defense, you're in the heat of the moment. It's not your job to stop the fight. Like, you're you're about to get your KO. He's just going in for the kill. I don't think he was like intentionally trying to be dirty or anything like that. Um, so like I, I guess like the elbows I I kind of gave a pass to because like like I said the first like elbow or two seemed clean. The last one was was pretty bad. But you know it, once again it's not his job to stop the fight. Um, the knee I was kind of eh. I don't kind of get why he did that. Like. I could see if it was like the gay guard where you kind of yank their head up <laughs> and try to like, you know, make sure their hands aren't on the ground. That that whole jazz, but yeah, the, the knee slash shin, whatever. That that was a little questionable. And that, and that it oh. was illegal, from what I understand. Yeah, I personally, if I if in my perfect world that's a legal knee, um, but we don't live in my world. All right, we live in. You can tell because Eric Latifi isn't champion yet. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, like if 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 Emmett were to like if if the news come out that Emmett appeals his loss, he is. He is. He's right, come yeah, out I, and said he's going to appeal the loss. No, I, I no, I wouldn't be mad at that. Like he he, I wouldn't complain about that. Like the the elbow, I think was definitely illegal. I just I don't think it was intentionally meant to be dirty. It was just kind of one of those heat of the moment. I'm going in for the you're kill. moving. We're moving. Like yeah. And at the end of the day, as we stated, it's not his job to stop the fight. That's that's on the rough. And if if he misses it, you just you you keep going. Like you 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 don't stop. But like I said, if he appeals and like this gets turned to like a no contest or whatever, I'm not mad at him. he, it, it was questionable enough that I'm I'm not gonna be mad that he did that. So, you know. But it, it, at the end of the day, at, at least for now, as of now, a, a win is a win. It's a damn um, good one too. Yeah, it was it was a good win. And to be honest, not to be that guy, you take away the knee, you take away the elbow. I don't think it changes the outcome of the fight. Yeah. Just my opinion. yeah, no. But yeah, I I don't think the outcome of the fight changes if you take away those blows. But 
you know, it 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 is what it is. But you know, I mean, if he if he appeals or you know, that's that's fine. I'm I'm not mad at that. But Emmett got, I mean, uh, Stevens got the W. Um, how many fights is that in a row for him? Uh, three. Three, yeah. So he's he's probably close. I would think maybe to a title shot. Um, the only thing, if um, well, I'm not even gonna say if the Edgar. Holloway if I didn't fall through, he probably would get like he probably would have got it, but uh, he probably had one more fight because the winner of Edgar Holloway will uh, Edgar Ortega will probably fight Holloway first. Yeah, but I mean, good, good, great win for Stevens. Still, you know, just one of those guys that's forever <laughs> hanging around the top of that. Dude's division. in the, like the Robbie Lawler phase of his like career. Like right. he's just out here knocking motherfuckers out, right? And still looking good. Like the older he gets, he's still he's adding to his game. He's learning. Yeah. Props. Like it's it's super rare that guys are able to do this. And we I talk about like he's only, he's only thirty one, but he's had like thirty fights in the UFC. Yeah. But that that is a lot of training camps, a lot of sparring sessions, a lot of fights. Right, and it's not like he's like he he's one of those dudes that gets into like wars. So it's crazy that his body just hasn't even shut down <laughs> on him yet. Um, so yeah, great great win for him, man. He's definitely set himself up for the, uh, at least some kind of maybe title eliminator, or some uh, another big fight. Um, and I think for Emmett, even though he lost, um, I, I think he's still in a good place. Um, you know, albeit you. You got KO'd or whatever, but I, I think it shows that, like, the Lamas win wasn't a fluke. Like, he managed to drop Stevens. He had him in a bad spot. Um, so, I, I think he can still hang with those top guys. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what they what they do with him as a next fight. I don't know if you rush him back to, like, a, you know, if you rush him back into a big fight. But My, my, one, my one thing with um, Emmett, it's, like... Can you show me something beyond that initial? I don't want to say burst, but like, can you show me something when something is like when what you're originally doing isn't working? Right. Because that like basically like can you adapt? Can you adapt? Do you have something else in your game for when like when your opponent isn't just going to let you run them over? Because again, like the the Lamas fight was, uh, see, see, is um, Emmett going repeatedly to the well with that left hook, and Lamas acquiescing because he was just going to throw those naked leg kicks over and over and over again. So, uh, that that's the next thing I want to see out Emmett. What do you do when you can't get your when the other person has your game down? Because like. Hanan Moicano is somebody who I, I could see picking him apart from distance. As he, cause he, what he loves to do is just jump in from range. Okay. So I, I want to see what, I want to see him take that next step. Oh, we'll, we'll see. Sometimes a loss can, you know, loss can either make you go back to the drawing board and you become better or, you know, you might end up falling further down the hole, but, We'll 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 see. I, I'd like to think he'll he'll probably bounce back. I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
pretty sure he'll, he'll, he'll probably get the name in his next fight. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. E- either way, great win from Stevens. It was an awesome way to cap off the main event, controversy aside. Um, <laughs> it's also kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if you watched, like, the the like the post fight and everything right. uh Cormier and Cormier and Cruz kind of going at it over the the controversy and Cruz not bending a bit about this being a, a illegal knee or anything it was just funny because <laughs> that's his teammate right it's like come on Cruz like I uh, that's why I like that's, Cruz that's... he will not he does not mince words even with like his <laughs> the people he's supposed to be like biased for <laughs> but like he will straight up just tell you if you suck or not. Remember, like remember him making that dude cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this dude is oh, a man. dick. <laughs> <laughs> but, he calls like he's like he sees it. Oh man, but awesome main event. Sucks it's shrouded in in controversy and you know illegal strikes. But it 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 is what it is. We'll we'll see how this. How this appeal turns around? What what if I guess real quick before we move on to the next one? Like let's say they over, like, he wins the appeal and they make it like a no contest. You oppose them just running yeah, this back? Go ahead, do it. Yeah, I'm I'm not mad at that. So we'll we'll, we'll see. But congrats to Jeremy Stevens. An oddly uh, similar fight to um a, another team a recent out team alpha male fight. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. yeah. Team Alpha Male dude gets a knockdown down in the first round. Got other guy recovers. Uh, just goes to the next layer of his offense. All right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll see. But best of luck to to both of these gentlemen. Um. Mm-hmm. So that was the the main event. Uh, co-main event. Oh boy, Jessica Andrade and Tisha Torres. Um, I went into this fight. I've I've been a Torres fan since in her Invicta days. Um, I was I was afraid of this fight a little bit. I was just I, I went into this fight hoping that she would win, but I was just afraid she would get her block knocked off. Um, luckily, the latter didn't happen. She did not get her block knocked off, um, but she did <laughs> drop a decision. Um, but this this was an awesome fight though. Um, Torres looked really good in the first man. Like she was landing some really good shots. She was sticking and moving. Not um. Not you know getting in in too much trouble, but my God um, this this fight was one of those things where like Tisha started off doing good, like she was doing everything. I guess you would pretty much want someone to do against Andrade, but it's the the way Andrade is, man, like she's it, it seems like it's only a matter of time <laughs> before you just you just end up in a bad spot and it's just it's just over. And Andrade is just—he's just a tank, man. A non-stop tank that just doesn't, just doesn't quit. Like Torres was landing some really solid shots, and Andrade was just kind of just walking. Through yeah. Him. And <laughs> and then when she starts throwing people, that's when you know it's over. And she she starts slamming Torres around and lifting her off her feet, and it's like, oh boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> but I mean. Props to Torres, like this, it she she did her best to make it a competitive fight. Like there, there, I don't think there were any points where like she like gave up or conceded and just like shelled up. Like she, like I said, she was consistently throwing strikes. She was trying to stick and move on the feet, but Andrade just overpowered her, man. Like just literally just overpowered her. Like she she would get her blitzes off and 
if they clinched at all, you know, you know, Torres was about to go flying somewhere, and Andrade is gonna Andrade pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of out of fight. Yeah, it's it's just it's a little bit of a shame that like Andrade doesn't get the credit she deserves as like a like I don't want to say like a technician, but like a, a like strategy wise, like her, she did the like. Like you said, Torres was doing a fantastic job with those counters in the first round, especially with the right hand. Like she would just step back to the right hand, move out of range. So what you get is um, Andrade just throw like throwing those hooks around the right hand, just cutting off her way, her exit, and then following it up with a hook from the other side. Like in terms of like pure punk punching mechanics, like just getting your waist completely into the punch, Andrade does that, and she does it so like correctly that it's it's part of the reason why she's able to go um three like or five rounds with just completely throwing power it's scary um and she's not even like a great wrestler but she's just so fucking strong <laughs> like when she gets her hands on you she will ragdoll you like this woman was going toe to toe with rocky pennington in the clinch Like that's just insane. Like, and she's a one fifteen, like a one fifteener. Like seriously. Um. Like, uh, and from Torres, I would have liked to see more kick, more kicks, like kicks to the body, kicks to the leg, just to try it and even just like, even have the potential to slow her, like Andrade down. Because she was never gonna do it just by boxing with her. Like, no matter how well she cut angles and no matter how well, like, she... And I'm not sure if it's because she's been fighting women her size. Like, Andrade's not a very tall woman. Um, Michelle Waterson's not a very tall woman for 115. But she's been sitting down her punches a lot more than, like, she did when she was fighting, like, jo- Jocelyn Nybarger or, or, um... Crap, what was that other woman's name? Uh... Uh, not Lima. Uh, crap, crap, crap. Um, yeah, I guess Angela Hill too, but that was mostly a wrestling match. But like, you you see a little bit more confidence when she plants her feet because she's not all the way, she's not completely ensnared in somebody's range. Right. Um. Like I would, like I said, I would like to. I would have liked to see the knees more. Like she went to the clinch because I think she thought if she could get on top of Andrade, she would have the advantage. But like that's a heavy order. Like Andrade's the balance is just surreal because she is so damn strong. Um, it's a shame Torres couldn't win this fight because. Uh, it would have been a weird. It would have been a fun angle to see promoted to see her challenging for the um, for the title while uh, Pennington was challenging for the title too. All right. But like Andrade versus what will likely be Rose Namajunas, should she beat Yohanan and Jacek in Brooklyn, um, will be a crazy fight. It's probably going to end with Andrade being champion. Yeah, I'll yeah, I, I kind of. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out in my head about how that fight would play out. Um, I guess Doug Rose has proven me wrong, so I'm not quick to bet against her anymore. <laughs> so, 
I, I I don't I don't know, but yeah, Andrade she Andrade's gonna Andrade, man. Like, you fight her, you're you're in for a tough night. Like, you're you're in for just a, a really a really tough outing. Um, but man, yeah. So Andrade held it down, but no 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 shame on Torres. Um, like I said, man, I, I think she's somebody who is is definitely talented enough to find her way into a title shot but it's like man when you get into that when you get into like that that top you know creme, creme de la creme of of that division man it, it doesn't it, it don't get easy it, it does not get easy but shout out shout out to Torres man she put on a, a awesome fight and you know Andrade is gonna Andrade <laughs> but um I guess moving on to the next fight Alir Latifi, Ovin St. Preux. Um, why is Alir Latifi just built like... He, he's built like all of the, the ancient like warriors that you were ever told about. Like, that's what he... <laughs> that's what he looks like in real life. Like, this, every time I see him, I'm like, this, this dude is just shredded for no reason. But, um... Alir Latifi, Ovin St. Preux... Not really a, a ton uh, going on in this fight. Um, it's a lot of... I felt like a, a bit of it was like a feeling out process. A lot of paw touching. A couple of, you know, a couple of kicks going on here and there. Um, but Latifi... The, the, the Latifi <laughs> the, the eventually just kind of closed this fight out in emphatic fashion. Um, I, I think he dropped... Vince with a left, um, proceeded to just kind of turn Lati, uh, not the TV, kind of just turned Vince around. He like stumbled back to the cage. He ate some punches. They got back to the feet. I think he like <laughs> I don't remember what happened. He fell back to the ground again, and then this the finish kind of reminded me of um, it was very John Jones Machida esque. Where uh, he he catches uh Ovince in like the standing guillotine, and I'm not a fighter, um so take my advice for a grain of salt, but uh, I think OSP made a pretty bad mistake <laughs> not going for the hands. It seemed like when he was getting choked out, he was trying to get a takedown. I don't know what he was trying to do, but it didn't work, and I felt extra bad for him because he got floored. He got floored first, and then he gets choked out. And then he taps out, but nobody sees the tap out, and then he just ends up going unconscious anyway. Right, right. So, double whammy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I felt really bad for him. But, um, you know what was crazy after I, this fight was over? I was thinking, uh, Alir Latifi, Shogun, title eliminator fight. I mean, do you hate... I was gonna say, do you hate Shogun enough to make that fight? But like, Shogun might be able to actually beat Latifi. So, <laughs> whatever, fuck it. <laughs> At this point, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know that that might, that might, just be a thing that happens. Like, Ilir Latifi versus um, Luke Rockhold. There we go. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, that's that's a good welcome because I I don't 
I, I know Gus and Rockhold have been going back and forth. I don't want to see that fight for Rockhold at 205. I don't think that fight. Goes at least right. not first. Like, let, let the man get a fight or two in. Right, yeah, and then let him build his way up to that. Um, OSP, though. Um, he... Well, I don't even know what to say. He kind of—he he just like, is what he is, man. Like this is a dude who wanted to stay at his one camp, and this is where he ended up with him trading wins and losses in that top ten. It's just like I, I just—I look at him, and I look at his skill set, and I'm like, you could be, like, you should be so much, and it's and to. I guess put it in perspective. I'm not saying like he's not like a terrible fighter. Like he's he's had really good wins. He's had really good performances. His his record overall is still pretty solid. But like he just he'll he'll have these lapses sometimes where like he'll he'll go on a streak and then he'll have a terrible streak, and then I don't know, it's just a, a bit inconsistent. And I feel like for somebody with his skill set, like he I don't know, man. I, I just I, I feel like he I thought he was. I just I feel like he should be more, and it's it, it's kind of weird saying that because I mean before the Latifi fight he was on a three fight winning streak, but then before that he was on a three fight. I mean, but like the three fight winning streak was Yushin Okami, uh, Marco Rogerio de Lima, I think. Yeah, and Corey Anderson the head kick. And like his, his <laughs> best win is Corey Anderson, who is just seems like he's just like a straight up bust at two hundred five. So. Like, not all wins are equal, I guess. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know about... Like, I, I like him, but he, he's just one of those dudes that sometimes it's hard to... Like, I just I don't know what I'm going to get from, from fight yeah. to fight. I just I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, um, Latifi's but... not much different. It's just his... his you don't know what you're going to get from fight to fight is a lot more direct and physical. Like... Right, like you don't like you might end up with a fight like this, or you might end up with a fight like with his fight with John Volante, where like they were literally just trading overhand rights and missing. Ah, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, then some. Oh yeah, Alvi called out Volante. We'll we'll get to that way later. But <laughs> but I don't know the TV Shogun title eliminator. Just just be ready in 2018. That might be a real thing. That, uh... As, can we just point out really quick, on a good day, Uluru Latifi is 5'10", and uh, OSP is like 6'4", 6'5". <laughs> so the fact that Latifi got him with a standing guillotine is amazing. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was that fight. Not not a whole lot to really, really go into. Um, this next fight, though. A lot, a lot of people had their eyes on this one. Um, Max Griffin, Mike Perry. Um, people were expecting violence. Um, you got violence. Um, I think you got it a lot more from one side than the other. Um, at least up until about that third yeah. round. <laughs> but, I mean, he but, tried, um, man. Yeah, he did. It, it was but, really not going to work at all. Yeah. Max, Max Griffin... To to put it pretty bluntly, like he he schooled them, like <laughs> he 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 did what everybody should do against a fighter like Perry. Like, Beat his ass. 
(laughs) Have good footwork. Be able to deal out damage. Be out of the way when Perry's loading up on a shot. Yeah. And as long as you can, like, as long as you can just manage to not eat, like, a crazy overhand or something like that, you can you can win. Like, and he, he like I said, man, he, he just kept good footwork. He, he kept not being in the way when Perry was throwing. He was able to deal out a lot of damage <laughs> in, in return. Like, he would, he would throw and land combinations, but then he would get out of the way so he wouldn't be in, you know, in the way of any return fire. Um, and he literally, like, for, that was just what he did for the first two rounds, like, to a T. And he bloodied Perry's face just to a pulp. Um, to Perry's credit, though, in, in the third round, he did something I, I like seeing fighters do where it's like, you're, you're clearly down, you lost the first two, you have to go for it in the third. And in the third round, he definitely, like, he, he was going for it. Like, he, he, he landed some good shots. He caught, um, I don't remember if it was a right. He he stunned him with something. He he stunned him, I, I believe, with, like, a right. And he landed a, a lot of heavy shots in the third. He was definitely going in for the kill. But it's kind of too little too late. I think, I can't remember if Griffin dropped him twice this fight. Once or twice? Once, but, um, once. Uh, he dropped him, like, the second, I think. Either way, he he put it on him. Like, <laughs> he just... <laughs> he, he he put it on him. And like that, Perry, Perry had a good third round where he was, you know, trying to return fire. But, um... Damn, man. Griffin kind of just put it on him, man. He, he, he went out there and just handled business. Um, really, really impressive performance, uh, from, from Griffin. He was, if you wanted violence, you got violence. It was just, uh, a bit one-sided. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this was Mike Perry's like ninth fight in the last two years. Yeah. It was like his, like straight up his ninth fight since uh, the beginning of 2016. No, he's on that, that Cerrone schedule. But. Every Mike Perry fight is like this. So, he, he like, he's never been the fastest dude when it came to, like, footwork and, like, moving around the cage and everything like that. But he was really slow when, at the beginning of this fight. Like, in part, part of that was just Max Griffin just being on his game and just, like, sticking to the, uh, the game plan. Um, uh, working, like, perfectly from the outside. But, like, part of it was... Perry, literally two months ago, had a freaking uh, uh, a a all out war with Santiago Ponzinibbio. This was two months ago, and instead of you know taking time recovering, uh, he went right back to sparring for to get ready for this fight. <laughs> so it, it so he's kind of it kind of looks like he's slowing down. At 25 years old, which is not good. Um, yeah, like everything you said, like Griffin just beat him to the punch for like 70, 75 percent of the fight. Um, just refu- refused to get drawn into a brawl, which like, we've seen Max Griffin do. If you've seen him on the regional scene or you know any of his early UFC fights, um, he got overwhelmed a bit in the third round, but outside of that, it was just like he he pitched the perfect game. Uh, it, it, it's 
I, like, I, I'm not trying to take anything away from um from Griffin, but like, and people, like, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Perry in the world. Like, I might actually hate him, but. Like, how are you just going to burn out your fighter like that? Like, management-wise, like, UFC brass-wise, like, that's just, a, like, that's like a crazy-ass schedule to, like, to keep up with. Because, like, you like, you know, the, the, there are two other fights that stand out in that whole, like, nine-fight thing. It's, like, it's the, the Pons fight, the Joban fight, and the Roberts fight. Those fights were for... Long portions of it, Perry was getting his ass beat. So it's just kind of crazy to me that they never stopped to think like, oh, maybe we should get to do the break. Uh, I don't know. He, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe he wanted the Cerrone grind. I, uh, I like he know. obviously did, but somebody should have sat him down and been like, dude, you need to let your body recover. Like, and I think I think the hate for Perry, which justifiable as it is, kind of blinds the a lot of people to the fact that he's like a ridiculously good athlete, and it's kind of amazing that he made it this far as a fighter fighting out of a UFC gym, where his coach is Alex Nicholson's dad, <laughs> and like I, I don't know who his girlfriend is, but like his girlfriend's like his head cornerman. Corner woman, corner person. Ooh, yeah, she uh, she caught some wrath on Twitter for uh, her her corner advice. She, I mean, she, I don't think her. I I didn't hear all her advice. Like be, the one thing, like Stokes even mentioned it to us, like the, the break the leg thing. Like, uh, like, I mean, it wasn't bad advice. Like, she told kick the knee, try to keep this dude from being able to get away from you. But, like, I, and obviously I didn't hear any of the shit she said in the corner because we were, uh, it was a UFC broadcast, so. No. It's not. I mean, well, that, that was pretty much the only part they highlighted. Like, it was, yeah, like, she was like, apply pressure, get him against the cage, kick the knee, kick the knee, and break the leg. like, none of, none of those things are bad and abstract. I don't think she gave him the tool. Like, she was, like, you know, use the jab or um, when he sets his feet to throw, make sure you're re- you're ready on the counter, or, you know, he, he's looking for this, so, you know, um, instead of throw a jab here, and, like, it was none of that. It was all, I'm going to, it was all that, it was, I, I'm going to throw this, uh, just throw this, do this, it, like, it's the stuff we... It's the stuff you see. It's the stuff you see like a lot of the time. Like honest to God, like it's the stuff that separates like okay coaches from great coaches. But like, yeah, no, like I don't know what his training situation's like, but like it, it probably should be better than this. Yeah, that's that's two in a shout, row. Shout, shout <laughs> out to Carnage who said that. Um, it's really cool that Mike Perry was able to fit the whole Chris Lieben career arc into like two years. <laughs> oh man, yeah, he's he's he dropped two in a row now. Um, 
Yeah, I know. He, he probably should. He, he probably would be due for a good break. And I, I think also he should... I don't know. Like, I, I feel like he might, maybe there should be some more wrinkles he should add to his game. Or maybe just, like, utilize his wrestling a little more. Like, I, I think he just kind of falls in love with the power shot. I mean, and I get it. Anybody that hits that hard. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I, I think if he had a bit more diversity in his game, and, like, I, I think the tools are there. He just doesn't really use them. I would really like to see him kick it, more. Yeah, and it's like he, he throws them. Like, he, he, he throws that front kick sometimes, or, like, the side kick. But, like, he, he'll do it for a little bit, and then it'll just, he'll just kind of get back to just winging that, that right and just trying to yeah, load up. Yeah, and against Ponce, he was really throwing that um that switch kick to the uh, to the body. So, I really like that. So, you know, add more of that to your game, hopefully. Yeah, like, he's he's got tools. He just, you know, kind of needs to put it all together. But, you know, props to Max, though, like. Max, Max, uh, Max, when right. uh, <laughs> I'm gonna just need two minutes because my family's lazy. <laughs> All right, I'm holding down the podcast again, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, shout, shout outs to, to Max Griffin, man. That was an awesome, awesome performance. Um, yeah, man, that he, he pretty much laid out the blueprint on how to beat Perry and guys who fight like Perry, just guys who who just kind of just want to load up and kill you. He he kind of gave you a good blueprint to, you know, keep keep yourself out of trouble, uh, at least up until that third round. But, you know, shout-outs to Max, man. That was a great, great performance. Nice, violent scrap <laughs> that that delivered. Uh, well, I guess if you were a Perry fan, it didn't go your way. But, you know, it, it was violence nonetheless. I was pleased. So uh, shout-outs to, to Max Griffin. Um, on to the next fight. Um, and actually, hold up. Oh, that that actually rounded out the uh, main card, which is only four fights. So um, that's why I love Fox cards. Four fight main cards are always the way to go. Uh, so moving on to the feature prelim, Brian Kelleher, Henan Burrell. Um, yeah, going into this fight, man. Um, and I, I know Burrell had his uh his moment in the sun. He he had his reign at the top of the world. But uh, as of late, you know, he's been looking a little, you know, eh, a little, little, little wishy-washy. And <laughs> I, I, I definitely picked Kelleher in this fight. Um, and Kelleher ended up getting the decision. But it, it was a fun fight, though, man. This, this was a fun a fun scrap. Um, pretty much, them, them, you know, these two dudes just kind of throwing, going back and forth. But I think... Burrell's problem, and this isn't the only fight we, we've seen this in, like, his last few fights, that he's he's a very hittable, <laughs> he's, he's just very hittable, his head doesn't, he he, he doesn't move a ton, his, his head is just kind of there to be hit, and <laughs> Keller, you know, definitely took advantage of that, and I mean, props to Burrell, like, he, he, he was, you know, definitely firing back, he was definitely working... Uh, the leg kicks that were pretty good, um, but Kelleher is just one of those dude, man. He he's just game, like, and he. Are you talking about how Burrell good for like three minutes and then fell apart? <laughs> like Burrell had like good moments, like he he was working those leg kicks. Those were working, like he he landed a lot of good shots in the first round, but. Kelleher is just one of those dudes, man. He's he's just game, and he just 
kept putting the pressure on and if he wasn't you know landing strikes on the feet he he would you know clinch Burrell against the cage just kind of just try to like wear him out and then um was it the first he, he dropped Burrell at one point yeah second um, round or first I can't remember yeah he he, he dropped Burrell had him in trouble um and then um he had a, that nasty flurry it was I was it was crazy that Burrell was even standing he he had a really nasty flurry on Burrell where like Burrell was just in survival mode for like a minute straight and somehow made it out of the fight alive but um yeah man just Ke- Kelleher just kind of eventually just started to like put it on him I mean Burrell was still firing back but you could tell like he was just it, it was an entertaining fight but Kelleher just seemed like he was getting the better of the exchanges. Um, he seemed to be the fresher fighter, and this this fight just it just kind of looked like this was just a Burrell fight. It just seems like these this is how his fights go now. Like he he has moments that are good, but he can't string together like a full performance, and then he just kind of comes up short. And I mean, he, he's at ATT now. Um, uh, so I mean, I, I guess they're working with him on you know his game, but it's just I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe maybe his it's, it's kind of weird how like his his at at one point this guy was like <laughs> he was like untouchable, and now he's just he's he's like everybody's just I don't say beating up on him, but he's he's not he's not Superman anymore, man. The the cape got removed and the, the S on the chest got ripped off. And like people are just waving kryptonite in his face. Yeah, no, no. The the, the just the ass whooping he took after that bad weight cut. Like maybe maybe it was just always going to like be like this, where like the moment Burrell got beat as badly as he did, like in the first Dillashaw fight, and I guess the second Dillashaw fight, was just the moment he would just completely like just his body would just go completely out of whack. That was just like a really bad year for him, wasn't? Because like it was that it was the t- like what did, what happened again? Did he hit his head in the tub or something? Like one of yeah one of those weight cuts where like yeah he passed out and yeah he hit his head on the tub. Yeah, and then like then like eight nine ten months later he goes and gets his butt kicked again. Like it was just never gonna work out. Uh, like th- that year ruined his career. Um, like he like he the skills are all there, but his body is just cooked. Like. He's too, like, for whatever reason, he gets muscled around at 145. Um, he's, he can make, we've seen that he can make the cut now that he's at ATT, but, like, f- he has five minutes of offense. He tires out. His chin isn't isn't what it used to be because that was a huge part of his game. Um, when he would get cracked, he would just plant his feet and start throwing back, like, in little, like, flurries. And that's how he would keep, like, that's how he would keep people off him. Like, if this was the Burrell pre-TJ Dillashaw um, fighting Brian Keller, he would have planted, like, we would have got tagged and planted his feet. Instead, he was trying to tie up. He was getting rocked. Like, it's just, it just wasn't there for him. His whole game was built around that. Yeah. Was... So, the, the fall, how the mighty have <laughs> fallen, but... Good, good on Kelleher, man. Like I, I, I like watching Kelleher's fights, man. He's, he's always game, always bringing action, uh, always moving forward, 
and you know you got Burrell's name on your resume now so you know good 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 performance on him man like he he went in there and just kind of handled business and you know, unfortunately for Burrell it's just kind of wondering it almost seems like the clock is ticking it's like how much longer do you have left in this like <laughs> in this game like how long how much longer are you going to be around man it just it seems like the clock might be ticking on him like we might these might be the last days uh at least maybe in the UFC I don't know he, he might go to some other organization but like I don't know how long he longer he sticks around here man like I don't I don't know I don't know yeah. but but uh great great win for Kelleher but like I said it it was a really fun fight um like I said it was a lot of action on both sides it's just that Kelleher was you know he was just getting the better of that action but it's definitely a fight worth watching um pretty good uh, feature prelim uh really all of these prelims were awesome so really i guess moving on to the next fight um marion renault and sarah mcmahon um i I forgot until uh somebody reminded me that marion renault's 40 (laughs) like like it's it's crazy that she's 40 and she's still out here but the the beauty of um mma is you get a certain amount of years to be really good, and she really get her career. Oh wait, she started in like twenty twelve, so she's like only six years in six her, her career. Like she had a fight before that, but that was like she took a two year break after it. So I'm gonna say twenty twelve. So you know she's still she's six years in. She's got like a couple of years more of her prime. If her phys yeah, if physically she just like completely fall off. No. Oh, well. She looks still there. Yeah, no. <laughs> really, both of them did, man. But like, it was funny just watching them, like, as Buffer's announcing them. I'm just, like, looking at their physiques. And it's like, McMahon is, like, just guns blazing. Like, she, she's built like a, an android or something like that. But, um, yeah, man, this this this, this was a fun fight. Um, Mc, McMahon was holding it down in the first round, man. Like, she, she got Renault on the ground. Um... She pretty much like kept her there. She had her in some bad crucifixes, just kind of beating up on her, and it it, it was looking bad, man. Like <laughs> McMahon really kind of put it on her in that first round, and then second round comes and Renault manages to turn it back around, man. Like she, I want to say they both threw at the same time. I can't remember. I think Renault threw a left and then a right and just kind of like dropped her. Yeah. And yeah, and then. McMahon was trying to go for takedowns, and then eventually she did. Uh, so she had went for like a single leg. Um, eventually, I think she had got the single leg when it went to the ground, and it was just kind of. I don't know, maybe if she was still out of it, because I think she 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 got dropped. She ate some shots, and then she was going for single legs. She eventually got one. I'm not sure, maybe if she was just still out of it, because like as soon as she like got the single leg and got her on the ground. Renault like immediately threw up her legs for the triangle and I don't know if McMahon just kind of just wasn't paying attention or like I said maybe she still wasn't like all the way recovered but she just kind of let Renault just kind of just throw her legs up there uncontested yeah and it was yeah it was just a matter of Renault just like adjusting the triangle getting it in you know tight enough getting you know good position to make sure it's sunk in all the way and yeah, literally, she just she adjusted. She got the triangle in, and that was that was it. She 
pulled off a pretty good comeback. Like zero defense attempted during that whole sequence at the end. Like literally, like just like kind of accepted it until she gave up. Um, until she tapped. Uh, uh, like is this not just Sarah McMahon? At her, at her most Sarah McMahon. She's winning till she's not, and then she loses all of a sudden. Um, and this is kind of Marion Renault too. Like she gets taken down um, pretty easily. She gets taken down uh, pretty easily against um, who was it? Uh, Talia Bernardo in her last fight. Um, but she comes out here. She fi- she gets her moment of offense um, in, and it leads to her getting the win. Uh, like. Um, she's a pretty good finisher too. Like I want to say, this is like her fourth finish in the UFC. So she's one, two, three, four, five wins, four by finish. So she's but she's five, two, and one overall because they refused to give her the Betch Hale win, which she should have got, and she should have beat Ashley Evan Smith. I like she dropped her twice and they gave her the round. I remember that. But um, what was my point? Um, yeah, no. Shouts to Mary Renault. She's forty years old. She's still here beating people's asses. Right. And then she gets to go back and be a teacher, and put the fear of God into her students. What did she say? <laughs> Mama's coming home. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, shouts shout to Renault, man. Forty years old out here, still giving people the works. Um, she should be on a five-way yeah, fight winning streak. Her, her only real loss in the OC is to Holly Holm. Also, shouts to Julia Villa. Um, Julia Villa beat Mary Renault all the way back in like 2012. And she also beat Nico Montagna before Nico Montagna became the UFC. She was Nico Montagna's last loss before she went on to win the UFC five-way title. She should be in the UFC. Lineal champ. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh... Yeah, man, that was that was a a pretty pretty awesome fight. Um, so yeah, shout out shout out to Renault pull pulling the comeback. Um, next fight, Angela Hill, Marina Morose. Um, you can't win fights. I'm always re- by punching the air <laughs> and making loud sounds unless you're Holly Holm. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm I'm always rooting for Angela Hill. She's she's like one of my favorite people in MMA in general. Um. But yeah, that was kind of the story of this fight. And you know what? To be honest, I was I was afraid when this went to decision because. So here's the thing about this fight: like, this fight was a lot of. I mean, they both were active, but like, like you said, Marina was making a lot of the you know the, the loud kia sound every time she. They were. It was even like kias. They were like just straight up grunts. It was like, <laughs> what's her name? Maria Sharapova. Like, it was just a lot of noise and a lot of volume throwing but like she wasn't landing a lot of anything and you know Angela Hill was definitely landing more like she didn't have as high as output but she was just a lot more effective with with what she was doing um you know she was landing that right hand a lot and she, her her shots were just like like I said they were just just landing more and then I think she had got a takedown also, um, but I was afraid because I don't remember the exact stat, but 
Marina threw like a ridiculous amount of strikes. I'm not sure how many she landed, but just like the amount that she threw was like ridiculous. And I was I was a bit afraid that the judges would just I don't know that they would just maybe just see the effort, <laughs> but not like what actually landed, and they would end up giving her the decision. But luckily that did not happen. Um, uh, I think she I think Hill went pretty clean on the on the scorecards. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the moral of the story. Um, I mean, if you're gonna throw like a thousand punches, you kind of need to land somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I want, I want to say, Angela Hill. They they mentioned during the broadcast, she had like an over fifty percent like connection rate, and like um, right. Mar- uh, Marina Moros had like an eighteen percent connection rate. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was a lot a lot of air punches. Like, but, uh, would you have expected this type of performance from the woman who beat Joanne Calderwood? Remember that? <laughs> Where she went out there and, like, tapped her in, like, under a minute? Oh, man, that did happen. Man. I, that's, ugh, That's weird. That is weird. I just wonder, though, that, like, at, at, at what point... Well, I mean, she she landed some shots, but it just there wasn't a lot of substance going on. Cause like at what point do you switch up the game plan or I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, got she she's really rope. <clears throat> so like all the combinations you see, you saw her throwing, you could see that she was just like throwing from memory. Hold on, hold on, before you go along. So I'm looking at her record now. All of her sub wins are by arm. Yep. So why is she not going? <laughs> why is this not a thing? Because oh, I think her normal way of winning is just like to pop the other person, like, and then uh, dive on like an arm. So clearly, you had something going with like your first five fights. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but um, yeah. So that's uh, two straight drops for her. Uh, good on uh, Angela Hill getting herself back in the win column. Um, I'm always looking forward to an Angela Hill fight, so I'm happy to see her get a W. Um, hopefully maybe she can string together a few, because I think she's on the whole win-loss, win-loss thing right now. Like, yeah, she dropped the fight to Andrade, and she beat Yoder, then she lost to, uh, Ansarov, and then she got this W, but, uh, good on, good on, uh, Hill for throwing and landing. That will win you a fight. Meanwhile, throwing air and punching air. While making loud noises, uh, it might not work out well for you. <laughs> but speaking of throwing and landing really hard, Alan Joban, Ben Saunders, <clears throat> excuse me, we're dying. Um, I think this got fight of the night. Yes, I want to say, um, well deserved. <laughs> this was a very, um, I think this fight kicked off the regular prelims i believe because i think the yeah cause the fight pass prelims ended i think with the alvi fight um so i think this kicked off the prelims that were on fox um this was just a violent very violent fight um it's, it's pretty much the hockey it was just violence like <laughs> but things I, I noticed and really enjoyed from this fight um i loved how like the uh, the different kinds of strikes Joe Ban was throwing in particular, I love the use of elbows, like standing elbows. I wish more people would do them. 
<laughs> I feel like they're very effective. And he definitely made use of his eight limbs. Um, he caught him. We caught Saunders with a lot of standing elbows. And they were all just beautiful to watch. Um, he also made good use of the inside leg kick, um, which in, in a way was kind of Saunders' downfall. And not to downplay Saunders' performance, he was always pushing forward. He landed a lot of good shots of his own. They were both like tagging each other, um, at least in the first. I felt like in the second, Jobon was, was kind of running away with the fight. Um, but yeah, like that inside left kick was, was doing work. And it, like he would, I like how Jobon would throw the inside left kick, but he would follow it up with like a combo. And that seemed to be working really well. And that, to me, kind of what won him the fight. I mean, after they just kind of went to war <laughs> and Saunders was just, you know, tank probably on empty. He catches uh, Saunders with the inside leg kick, kind of gets him off balance. Saunders kind of wobbles forward, and Joe Bond just blasts him with, like, a left. And that was a nasty KO. Like, KO with your leg bent backwards, arms just crucifixion status. It, it was uh, it was the, the flat line of all flat lines. Um, but well-deserved well fight of the night. Really good violence <laughs> in this fight, man. Good good performance from, from Joe Bond. Um, gutsy performance from Saunders. Like I said, both dudes were were really throwing, but I think Joe Bond just kind of had a more diverse attack. Like I said, inside leg kick, lots of elbows, and then eventually that inside leg kick with the left hand just kind of ended it. Um, but awesome fight, man. Really, really awesome fight. Um. So I'm kind of at that point where, like, watching Ben Saunders fight it just hurts. Like, it's 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 highly uncomfortable. Um, yeah, he's 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 been around for well, a... that. No, it's not even that. It's just like <laughs> he reacts so violently to being hit. Like everything, like he looks like he's about to fall apart at any moment. It's weird. He's only 34. For some reason, I thought he was way older. It seems like I've been watching him fight for a long time. I mean, time. he's been fighting in at some high level for how many years now? Like, <clears throat> uh, He was in the UFC for his first stint all the way back in 2007. So he's been fighting like televised for like 11 years now. Jesus Christ. Where's Jacob Volkman? <laughs> Just looking at his record. Some of these names, like where does some of these are some of these guys even still alive? I mean, I think the Secret Service secretly had Jacob Volkman killed. Oh yeah, yeah, he um, he yeah, he did say some. Yeah, uh, conveniently, his last fight was against Ben Saunders, and he's since not fought again. <laughs> but um. But. Yeah, uh, like Court McGee still in the UFC, I think, unless he got cut. No, I think he's still there. You know what I think? You know, I think the Saunders losses probably hurt so bad. It's, I think there are just some guys I feel like that, like when they lose fights, like they lose fights, like it just it just looks really bad. Yeah. Like, you think back to like his losses to Lima. Like those were some bad KOs, and yeah, like his it's just his losses just really stand out because they're just 
they're just like they're really violent losses. And yeah, this this one is was kinda just another one of those. Ugh. But kinda is what it is, I guess. Uh <laughs> you know. That was a nasty ass Wait, Where's Joe Ben Ben? It was. What, was it me or how, has Joe? Has it been a while since Joe Bond has fought? I just feel like I haven't uh, seen him. I don't he know, fought he last, year. last August. Like, what? Oh, yeah, he fought. Nico he got Brown. knocked out. I don't know why it just seemed like he's another one of those dudes that when he fights, I'm like, oh, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, he probably took. Like, I'm not sure if it's like this has anything to do with it, but he, he like he's not. It's not like he has. He has another job. Yeah, isn't he yeah. like a model or something? So. Yeah, that, you don't need the UFC cash. That might be part of it. But he said he wants to fight three times this year. Three or four times. I can't, I can't remember. But, you yeah. know. He looked good, though. He, he he looked good. So, yeah, for, for Saunders, though, that's just, oof. It's a hard yeah. one. It's a hard one. Um, so, I don't, yeah, I don't much, have a good oh, memory of these next four fights because I... Don't yeah, have... I, was, I was literally about to say the exact thing. Well, I kind of have a, a, a decent memory of the Albi fight only because I watched that again this morning. But these last three, I, I can't really go into much detail about. Um, but uh, I guess moving on, well, uh, props to Joe Ben. Great win. Great KO. Great fight. Well-deserved fight tonight. If you guys didn't see that fight, definitely go back and check that one out. Um, but yeah, these next four fights, which were the fight uh, fight pass prelims. Uh, Sam Albi, Marcin Pacino, if I'm saying that correct. Uh, I think this was Marcin's UFC debut, I want to say. Um, oh, he was in one. I did not know that. Hey, who? Uh, Marcin. Oh, yeah. He, did he fight for a title or something? Uh, he must have. Well, no, he won his last four. He he left one on a four-fight win streak. Oh, crazy. He TKO'd Machado, too. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> We were talking about Machado before <laughs> we started recording. Um, funny his name pops back up again. But, um, uh, I, yeah, Sam Albi, Marcin. Uh, huh? Jake, uh, what's his name? Jake Butler? He talked about the Wall Street dude. Oh, man. There's a dude that's been well, forever. He found his way uh, into the UFC. Uh, this uh, fight was at 205. Sam Albi uh, up at 205. Um, yeah, it First thing about this fight, uh, just the contrast and, and personality. Sam Alvey's smiling and laughing, and Marcin looks like he just wants to kill the entire stadium. Um, I don't remember this fight terribly much in detail. Um, I just remember some not good things on Marcin's end. Um, he got countered, I think, with a right, or he just got stuck. He He had a lot of moments where he just wasn't keeping his hands up. And that just ended up losing him the fight. Like, he, he got caught with, I think it was a right a right hook that dropped him first. And then he gets back up. He plots forward. But, like, his hands are just completely down. Like, he's just begging to be hit. And then he eats another hook. And he falls forward, like, on his knees. <laughs> and the ref just stops it. And I'm not going to complain about the stoppage. It, it like he, he just literally he was just asking to be KO'd and he just walked right into a Sam Albee hook and that was uh pretty much the end of that um 
So after after that fight was over, uh, Sam Alvey called out John Vellante. He said he thinks that would be a fun fight. Uh, make of that what you want. I mean, John Vellante gets hit more than any other fighter in the UFC, like, I, I, like statistically. So if I'm going to call out anybody, I'm going to call out the one dude who I know if I hit and he go, I can knock him out. And he's ranked. He's number 14. So smart. I think that's a smart-ass move. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, good on Alvy. He comes up to 205. Seems like his power is still there. So, um, I mean, yeah, if those two, two dudes want to throw down, I'm not against it. Uh, so, good good win on, on Alvy. Uh, nice walk-off KO. Um, I guess he's next to the fight, so just kind of run through. Uh, Ronnie Yaha and Russell Dome. Um, all I remember from this fight, um, going to the ground. Uh, willingly going to the ground with Ronnie Yaha is not a good well, look. It will not was it willingly? Because he kept getting single legged. Well, he got single legged, but there, I felt like there was a. I thought there was a point in the third where he went. I don't know if he went for a takedown. I felt like there was something he did in the third that he purposely went to the ground. I could uh, be wrong. E- either I mean, way, I don't remember he, these fights, so I can't say anything. The, e- either way, <laughs> in a Ronnie Yaha fight, if you go to the ground, it's probably not going to go in your favor, and. uh Ronnie Yaha ended up getting the arm triangle choke in the third. <clears throat> and that's pretty much how that fight Yay. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, yeah, 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 submissions in the UFC and WC. I think that ties them for like sixth or seventh or something with like three or four other people. I forgot about the completely forgot about the Joe Soto fight. It's weird, like how many wins he has, but he doesn't really get any big because wins. he because he's running out, yeah, yeah. They they keep him at bay. <laughs> they 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 keep. I him mean, at they gave Joe Soto, and then he lost, so oh, he has yeah. to blame himself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, these these next two fights, to be honest, I I don't I watch them, but I don't remember them much at all. Um, Alex Perez got a decision. Oh, uh, Perez. Out wrestled Shelton for like five rounds or five minutes around or three rounds. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> he he out wrestled Shelton for three rounds. Um, so he, he was working to pass and like stay busy, but it was just kind of a, a wrestling performance. Um, mind you, I saw this out the corner of my eye as I was driving home from work. So I, I was I was literally mostly listening to it, so I could be wrong and there were moments of like Perez letting showing up on the theater vice versa but um interesting note Perez missed weight by like 0.5 pounds so there's that Shelton drops to like 0-3 in the UFC or something like that 1 in 1 in 3 in today's UFC I don't know it might uh well, I don't really know how they do cuts anymore, so I don't, I don't know how that even works. But <laughs> good, good win on Perez. Uh, and last fight, uh, Manny Bermudez uh, got a guillotine choke over Albert Morales in a fight that I don't honestly remember that much either. I didn't even watch it, um, so I can't say anything. Yeah, I, I watched it, but I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. It, so. Congrats to Manny Bermudez. <laughs> I 
wish I could go in more detail about the fight, but yeah, that you know, but that was pretty much the the entire card. Um, overall, I thought this card was really good though, man. Like I I was, and I watched this literally from the fight pass prelims. Like I I got off of work at three thirty, and I think the fight pass started at like four fifteen, so I was able to watch this card from like start to finish. Um, like I said, like the the fight pass prelims were like just decent. Um. But, like, once the Fox prelims kicked in, like, this card really picked up. Like, there was so many just, it was a lot of violence, a lot of good moments, just really fun fights, lots of finishes. Um, so, I, I, I really enjoyed this card. I, I had a lot of fun watching this, and I can't say this enough. I was ecstatic that after the Stevens-Emmett fight was over, I, I turn around, I look at my clock, and it's 10.15. And I'm really excited. I think I went to sleep anyway, but still. <laughs> A card ending at ten fifteen, uh, that's 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 a good that's a good thing, good thing always. Um, so that was UFC on Fox twenty eight, uh, in a nutshell. Um, I guess real quick, uh, before we get into uh, parting shots and shoutouts, um, since I know you watched the HBO fights last night, um, if you wanted to talk about those for a little, um, they were really fun. Uh, Sorum Vasai took a decision over um one, uh. God damn it. I was going to say his name. Estrada. He took a win over Estrada. Um, I think the other... What was the other dude's name? Micaroyo. Ended up being Carlos Cuadras. Um, also by decision... Uh, McWilliams Arroyo. That's what it was. Okay. Um, like... Uh, I had it 117 and 111 for Sorung Visayo over Estrada. Um... Dude, like, it was a lot like the Roman Gonzalez fight, to be honest with you, except, like, Estrada was, I think he got pieced up a little bit less, um, like, he got, uh, he got out to such an early lead just by, like, he does an amazing job of going to the body, then going upstairs and, like, mixing up his rhythm and everything like that, and he kept the fight in a range where, like, he was always going to be able to land his power. And Estrada tried, like, Estrada did a very valiant job. When he got inside, he would let up, like, these, like, really fast, really slick seven-punch combinations. But there wasn't enough of that. Um, uh, there were moments where I thought that Estrada had uh, Sarum Vasai hurt, but just couldn't capitalize fully. Uh, it was a fantastic fight. It, it, I'm not sure what this does for, like, the super uh, the super flyweight division in, like, the uh, HBO context because, again... Wait, did we talk about this before the podcast or started? Because, um, yeah, um, like the guy who HBO brought in to be the leader of the super flyweight like expansion because they weren't real, they didn't actually show the, the they showcased the division prior to last year was uh, or the year before, I guess. Um, Roman Gonzalez, um, he's I want to say he's done, but like th- there is. Nim- there's limited stuff they can do with him now that he's been that he's lost twice and he got knocked out in the fourth round. Um, the two dudes they brought in to shoulder the divi- the, the shoulder was like Carlos Quadras, who had a great fight with um, Roman Gonzalez and fought him real close, and Juan Francisco Estrada, the dude who arg- the, the dude before Sorong Vizai who arguably had beaten should have beaten um, Gonzalez, and they both lose on this card. Um, Estrada probably better off. Uh, not better off, but like better, well, better off than Quadras, definitely. Um, since Arroyo's a dude who lost to um Gonzalez pretty handily, um, but 
in ter- like so like yeah you have both the the Mexican stars losing so now H- HBO basically has Sorbonne Visay and uh, now Naya Inoue who might not even be a super flyweight for much longer so that that leaves I guess weird vibes um I, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to Mick Williams Arroyo versus uh Sorbonne Visay if you didn't see them both both the fights go watch them they were really good um. If anybody is familiar with Brian Valoria, uh, another dude who fought Chuck Otito, he fought on the same card. He got pretty soundly beaten by um, this dude, Artem uh, Delekian from uh, the Ukraine. So uh, it was a really fun card. If you didn't get a chance, go watch it. I need to go back and... uh... I need to go back and check those out. I was, I was up when they were on, but I think I just got old and ended up falling asleep. Same. <laughs> but yeah, lots of continued, just lots of good fights, and then all all the combat sports going around. So uh, lots of violence to come. Uh, next week, uh, March is it March the third? We got UFC 222 going down. Uh, some some pretty interesting fights on here. We got. Cyborg and Kuniskaya, Edgar Ortega, Sean O'Malley, Andre Sukumtot, Drew Walowski, Casangano. They're really pushing Sukumtot, aren't they? Because he's in the commercial. Like I think he's actually the third, like third fight from the top. Like he took. Yeah, he's right. Yeah, him and O'Malley are right under. Uh... And uh, O'Malley. I mean, oh, they're see, pushing O'Malley. You say they're pushing. Su- yeah, I'm about to say yeah. I don't think they're pushing Sukumtot. They're they're pushing O'Malley. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but um. Yeah, that. Then you got Mackenzie Dern's debut against Ashley Yoder. Uh, Dotson and Munoz will finally happen. Uh, Hector Lombard, C.B. Dalloway. Um, shout out to C.B. Dalloway. I, I was reading earlier about um, the elevator incident, I guess yeah. he had. Uh, yeah, and how like he's still... Fucked up from it. Uh, yeah, he's still like messed up from it. I think he, he sued the whatever hotel that was. Um, I guess he's like fighting through the injury, but it's, it's still like bothering him. Um, so... Hopefully he's able to go in there and perform, uh, but this, this looks like a pretty, pretty uh, pretty good card. Uh, anything cyborg related, I'm there for, and I'm really really excited for Ortega and Frankie. There's also um the Bellator card next week, Bellator 195, Darren Caldwell versus Leandro Higo. Uh, Joe Warren versus Joe Tamanglo, and Christina Williams versus Emily Ducote. Christina, who did, who did she fight? She with? she's the woman who beat the crap out of Heather Hardy. Okay, yeah, yeah. all right. <laughs> I was trying to remember why her that name was familiar. So yeah, man, lots of lots lots of violence coming. Wait, wait um, is another is there another big fight next week? Or is my mind playing tricks on me? Deontay Wilder is fighting next week. He's gonna be fighting Luis Ortiz over on Showtime. There we go. So that'd be fun. Deontay Wilder Saturday. <laughs> but, Tough um, as a date. We'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm interested to see if he if if he wins, who if he if he calls out any names in particular. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 see. Uh, so lot lots of fights upcoming. Um, and also quick note, I got some album reviews I'm gonna do. I just I've been listening to a lot of music lately, and I keep straying away from the albums I'm supposed to be reviewing. But album review, I'm I'm hoping to put out next week, so be on the lookout for that. Also, Macho um, Man album coming soon. 
Oh Lord. <laughs> now I have to delay my album reviews even further. <laughs> oh, Black Black Panther review coming soon too. I'm throwing that in there. That'll, I've seen that movie twice. I can't not not talk about it. So that'll, that'll be coming next week too. But um, that's uh pretty much it for today's episode. So I guess you know as always before we close, uh, parting shots and shoutouts. So um, I got a couple shoutouts and I got a got got one shot. Um, so uh, well we'll do shoutouts first. Uh, sticking with my Black History theme, um, and acknowledging people, um, who are doing things now, currently in the present, uh, breaking new ground, things of that nature. Um, I want to give a shout out to, let me make sure I get her name right, um, Melissa Harvell LeBron, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, she is the first African American woman to own a NASCAR team. Um, I think it's called E2 Northeast uh, Motorsports. Um, I came across this story, uh, I think around like Friday or something like that. Um, she uh, she was someone that I wanted to say she like an entrepreneur. She had like some kind of entertainment uh, entertainment company. Um, she had took her sons to like uh, one of the events in Charlotte. Um, and it's kind of funny though. She took her sons to NASCAR in hopes of deterring them from having like dangerous driving hobbies and it ended up being the opposite mm. they ended up like falling in love with right it. and she ended up <laughs> creating a, a a racing company from it so I, I thought that was that was really dope um and i, I want to say uh, i think i read um some of the drops like she has a pretty diverse driving team uh obviously her i think her son's drive she also has a few latino drivers so you know, spreading spreading some diversity in the in the NASCAR landscape. <laughs> um, so that that was an awesome story. So uh, big shout outs to her once again. Her name is Melissa Harville LeBron. Um, definitely a, a cool story worth looking into. Um, shout outs to me finally being able to watch curling. Um, I watched some on Saturday. I was really excited. <laughs> the U.S. lost though. Hey, I tell me when to go medal. The I was watching uh, the women's. Um, women's lost. Uh, Six to nine to Sweden, uh, but yeah, the men's one—I can't remember who they beat. Uh, but shout outs to the men's curling team. <laughs> I don't know why I don't understand curling, but I like watching it. Um, another shout outs to uh, Patty Pimblett uh, and Cage Warriors. He pulled off a flying triangle, which was really awesome. If I can remember, um, I will leave the um, link in the description below for that. And I don't know if we mentioned it earlier, but uh, another shout outs to uh, second just. Reminder, shout out to Angle Song uh, over in one championship over there, dual wielding belts. Uh, now the light heavyweight and middleweight championship. And he trains out of Maryland over in Crazy 88. So got to give a shout out to him. Um, and parting shot, man. Uh, parting shot to the NCAA, which is about to just probably get turned over um, on its head. Um, I'm not sure how many of you guys like watch or pay attention to college sports. But um, it's a lot of stuff going down, and I, I feel like the landscape of of college sports probably within like these next few months, it's it's gonna get turned on its head, man. Um, just a shot to the NCAA, just for always being this corrupt. We we've always known that, like it's like it's a scam, it's like the most corrupt <laughs> thing ever invented. But like everybody just kind of turned a blind eye to it. 
but now the this Louisville scandal with Rick Pitino and the the all of the all of the things from that case it it seems like uh, are about to blow over and it's not just Louisville I've been reading about this FBI probe um a lot of a lot of all of our favorite schools mine included uh <laughs> there 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 are rumors floating around uh like obviously Louisville got busted um, but I've also heard rumors that a lot of legendary coaches and a lot of top schools are probably uh, probably going to be some dirt getting slung their way. And I, I heard some names like UNC, which hurts my heart. But I heard UNC. What's, uh, what's going Texas. on with Arizona? Um, Arizona, uh, did they have a... Because uh, the, the one player, like it was like a hunt. Yeah, uh, uh, Shaq's son, actually, yeah, that, well, that kind of goes... <laughs> kind of goes on to this also um uh Shaq's son uh was committed to Arizona um and then he decommitted I want to say over the weekend um today was it a payment scandal let me bring this I up I want to say yeah it was yeah, something they, with an agent who said like they paid him like a hundred thousand dollars or something okay yeah, yeah, yeah. so they uh did it. yeah according to the FBI uh wiretap uh they allegedly caught uh who's this gentleman's name uh, his last name is Miller. Uh, Miller and Christian Dawkins are uh, runner agent for Andy Miller discussing. Yeah, a hundred thousand dollar payout uh, to make sure top player DeAndre Ayton signed with Arizona. And actually, um, Louisville has something like that too, where Adidas um, allegedly was trying to pay somebody. I think like that exact same figure amount uh, to make sure they ended up at Louisville. So e- either way, just a lot of shadiness <laughs> going on in in the NCAA. Just- Fucking um, pay the players, god damn it! Right, and I mean, like we've—if you've been watching college sports for—if you've been following college sports for a while, like we—we've all known, like it's—it's—it's it's, it's a corrupt system, and just now a lot of this stuff is finally coming to the light, and people are being called out and fired, and you know we got FBI probes going on, it, but it's a multi-billion-dollar yeah. industry, right? Of course, it's corrupt. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, shot to the NCAA, man. You guys are you, you're getting what you deserve. This this is a long time coming. I don't know what's gonna. There's gonna be. I'm pretty sure there'll be major changes from this. I'm not sure exactly what the college landscape is gonna look like in the next couple of years. So they're stripping away national titles from Louisville. All, all kinds of wildness is going on. But um, yeah, just just keep an eye on it, man. College sports is this this it's gonna be a makeover coming. It's it's gonna be something's gonna happen, and I'm I'm interested to see where uh. Where it'll go, but uh, that's all I got. Those are uh, all of my parting shots and, and shoutouts. Uh, I only got one. Well, that's two. Um, shoutouts to um, what's her name? Molly McCann. Um, won the inaugural women's flyweight title for Cage Warriors by knocking out. Um, name. I can't. I can't remember name. Molly Meatball McCann knocked out. Uh, Brittany. Uh, Brittany. Bria, the fuck type of name? Bria, Brioni <laughs> Tyrell. I'm not even like, am I having a seizure? <laughs> I, I think it's Brioni Tyrell. I think that's her name. Um, she knocked her out in the second round. Uh, uh, got um and won the title. So congrats to her. She will probably be in Bellator or the UFC by the end of the year. Um, what else? What else? Oh, shout out to Janelle Monae. Uh, dropped two singles, two music videos this week, and they're both amazing. 
and I love them. I haven't watched it yet. I heard the was it, it's Django, Django, um, Jane, and uh, Make Me Feel, and they're both amazing. And I gotta Make Me Feel is hot as fuck. Oh god, there's a lot of music, like there's a lot of albums coming out like this month. And, like, I yeah, uh, there were a lot that dropped um recently. The two dudes from the two West Coast dudes from um the Black Panther uh soundtrack. Yeah, uh, soundtrack. Yeah, they had an album that came out. Um. Like yesterday, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what's the uh, homie's name? Uh, uh, Freddie Gibbs. His album drop. Did it? Or no, Nipsey Hussle. There we go. Victory Lab. Yeah, Nipsey Hussle had an album come out. Uh, Elzon Crisis, uh, the Jericho Jackson that came out. Uh, Black Milk's album Fever came out, which is really dope. Um, uh, Chance the Rapper's boy dropped out of space to drop his album, like literally. Uh, to- what's the dude's name? Tokyo. He went up into orbit and then like jumped out of a thing or something. Or oh no, he dropped <laughs> he dropped his album from orbit. But he had like a physical That's copy crazy. of his album and he dropped it from orbit to promote it. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> hey, that is next level. <laughs> That's next level promotion. Um, shout out to Flatbush Zombies too. I never really listened to them, but this new song they put out, man, I've been listening to this nonstop. Uh, it's called Headstone, and that joint slaps, and I really enjoy yeah, it. I get that. So whatever album they put out, I'm definitely gonna listen to. Um, and shout out to Logic, 44 more. So that's pretty dope too. But oh, um, shout out to Black Star, Black Star two album. I don't know if we, I mentioned that last week, but I'm 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 not sure if I'm excited enough for that. But I want to hear it. It'll be interesting. It'll it'll be interesting. I I'll just be happy to just hear most stuff again. Yes, and Bay. That'll that. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh real quick before we get out of here um because i noticed you watched it and i i forgot this even came on um that documentary yes shot in the dark uh crap that was gonna be my other shout out shout out to the dudes who made that uh, documentary i kept I, ke- I keep telling people it's like chance and d-way but all they did was finance it i think um or finance the distribution um it was f- it was like a, it was great um it's, it, for those for MMA fans wondering why they should care, it's the reason why your card started like thirty minutes late. Um, <laughs> uh, shouts to what's his name, Dustin and Daniel Poneman, uh, the producer and the director. Um, it was a documentary following the career of uh, the high school careers of um, two basketball players. Um, who was it, Taekwon Greer and uh, Marquise something. Uh, I can't remember his last. I can't remember his name. Sorry. Um, Hold on, I'm gonna look it up real quick so we can. Uh, for those who don't know, Tyron Greer was a high school standout in Chicago. Um, during the years that Jalil Okafor and uh, God, what's the other dude's name that was on his team? Day. Ah, uh, Who was the dude on Jalil Okafor's team in high school? Um, he's asleep. <laughs> uh, but the uh, from what I read, the documentary was originally going to be about like how these two schools, like um, because like they were city rivals. Um, it was going to be about how these two schools, uh, like, like like the rivalry between these two schools, but like eventually just turned into a documentary about like Or Academy is not the same as uh the one that um. I can't remember the name of the other high school that uh, 
that Okafor was going to. Uh, it, it was very much more um, poor, and it, it had a lot more problems with gang violence and everything like that. And this documentary follows their like senior year. Marquis ends up in jail for gun possession twice. Um, Greer gets shot in the leg the day before their game to go. Uh, the day before, I want to say like their quarterfinal game in states. Or like the week before, um, and he ends up playing in that game. Um, it's fantastic. It, 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 the whole point was to just show you how, um, what in the, what institutional racism and poverty looks like. Um, it goes from like Greer, like dude is just like a teenager who comes to Chicago to play basketball, so he has a chance to go to college. Um, he, like, his support system is basically his two grandmothers. Like, that's who he lives with, and his aunt. Um, like, his mother, I think, lives in, like, Mississippi or something. And you, you, you see, like, he's not a gang member. Like, not even the least bit, but, like, these are the people who... That's the support system that's there for him, you know? Right. And this is how he goes about it, like, day to day. And this is just how he, like, goes about his life. And it's really, it's re, it's super well done. Uh, show, shouts to um, Lou Adams, the coach from the movie. It was just seems like a great guy trying to do his best for these kids. So yeah, I have to find a way to uh, to watch this. I don't have cable. And but, it's uh, not. This isn't going to be the only. The, this is a part of a series, apparently. Um, the next one's going to be uh, one produced, uh, executive produced by um, LeBron James. It's gonna be about a football team in like Florida or something. So, <clears throat> yeah. Oh yeah, I have to check these out. But uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, you guys check that out if you didn't get a chance. I'll have to find a way to uh, to watch that. I always really like sports documentaries because they they always end up being a lot more than just about sports. Like, and as somebody who played football in high school, um, like it was really eye opening for me. Like that was my first time like being a part of like an organized team. Right. And yeah, you, you kind of see like a lot of these kids. They sports literally like saves their lives. Like it, it literally it keeps them out of trouble. Like if there was no if there was no football or a, or a basketball program at this school, like a lot of these kids wouldn't. They yeah. It's it it it's it's yeah, wild. It's, absolutely. It's wild. Yeah, but um, yeah. Shout out, shout out to that documentary. But um, that's pretty much uh, it for today's episode. As always, you can listen to this podcast on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. If you're on iTunes, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Um, also check us out on Google Play. Send emails to dojotoppodcast at yahoo dot com. If you have questions, concerns, or you just want to yell and be angry. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Serial Sensei on Twitter. And if you want to hit us up on Facebook, uh, just go to your search bar, hit in Dojo Top Podcast, and you'll find us there. Oh, and real quick, one last shout out. Shout out to Anthony Pettis, who liked uh, podcast posts on Instagram. Shout out to Stokes <laughs> for posting it on Instagram. And shout out to Anthony Pettis, uh, who liked the post on Instagram. So, Anthony Pettis, if you happen to be listening, shout out to you. Appreciate it. I'm sorry um, what I said about you. <laughs> uh, right don't go back and listen to <laughs> other 
Oh no, we gave him some praise. Uh, we we gave him some praise. We were I mean, fair. I think yeah. we were fair. But the cover are, are and, back, in case we said anything unsafe. Anthony right? Pass, come on the show and defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's one fighter who's out there who just listens to every single podcast because he wants to know if his name's in it. <laughs> it's got to be one. And if you're that fighter, man, send, send us an email. We'll, we'll get you on the show. We'll, we'll try to get you on the show. But as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And hopefully we catch you guys soon. Peace.